We are continuing in our series, What God Treasures. Last week, Pastor Matthew challenged us to consider genuine worship, what that looks like, and why God treasures that. Before that, we've talked about the fact that he treasures obedience to his word, which God treasures, and we should as well. And today, as we talk about treasuring giving and the fact that God treasures our giving, it really all ties together. Uh, We know that in God's word, which we are to treasure, uh, we see all through from Old into New Testament, the concept of giving of the resources, the physical resources that we have, giving that in worship to God. And if we treasure him and treasure his word, we treasure obedience to his word, then we're going to have to also obey that part of the word, as hard as it it might be to do so. And we're going to need to treasure giving to God the way he treasures our giving to him. So it all works together. It's all part of the same way of thinking, which is asking God, what is it you treasure most and what do you treasure from my life and what do you want me to treasure? We've got to ask that question throughout every area of our life. And that's what we're trying to do throughout this series and really throughout the whole year as we seek to base our ministry and every aspect of our ministry around what God truly treasures. And as we do that, uh, not only will our ministry be fuller, have a more uh, positive impact, but also our individual lives will be more meaningful. Our families uh, will experience greater togetherness and greater blessing. It all works together. And so let's continue on uh, today with that concept. And we're going to talk about the fact that God does treasure our giving. He treasures our giving when it's given in the right way. That's key. He treasures our giving when it's given in the right way. Now, if if you're part of church uh, for any length of time, it doesn't take very long for you to understand that a regular part of every gathering, every week, is what we just did a few moments ago, which is passing a, a metal plate of some sort, silver, gold, copper, maybe it's a basket, Uh, When I did my church plant uh, here, we actually just used a basket, uh, but we still passed the plate, so to speak. And every church all around the world does a variation of that every single week uh, across all sorts of denominational lines. If you're part of a weekly gathering of worship, uh, it doesn't take long to figure out that's what happens as a regular occurrence. And... The idea behind that is that it's just as much uh, an aspect or a part of the worship service as anything else is. Our giving through that act, that physical act of taking out a wallet or writing a check or even beforehand going online, uh, all of that is an act of worship. Just as much as any song that we sing together just as much as the time of prayer, just as much as the preaching of the word. It's all worship. And it all expresses in some form or another, whether in great degree or in little degree, the worth that we are placing 
on the God we're gathering to celebrate and to worship. And the other thing that you know, if you've been around church, if you've had any exposure to the Word of God, um, you know that when we give that specific act of worship, that we are to have a certain attitude. That the attitude of our heart should be, is supposed to be, one of joy. Uh, Our heart should actually look a lot like that. What's going on inside, in our mind, in our heart, when it comes to giving, it, it should really kind of resemble that wonderful, happy, smiling child that you see on the picture there. Uh, that's how it should be. But let's just be honest. The reality is, a lot of the time, our heart actually resembles more uh, of this picture when it comes to giving. Right? I mean, let's just be real about it. When it comes to, uh, to giving, often that is far more uh, what we're like on the inside. That's far more likely uh, the condition of our heart from time to time. And uh, I get that. I understand that. I sometimes resemble that. Uh, because, let's just, let's just be uh, very practical about this. In life, life consists a lot of the times of giving, 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 giving already. Right? We all have, uh, well, most of us have very limited income. And the limit of our income does not equal what is expected of that income. It's take, 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 and very little give, give back to replenish that income. And so we're, we're dealing with that day in and day out. Uh, this bill, that bill, this obligation, that obligation. And if you have families, it's, it's exponentially so. Uh, the more children, uh, the more that money goes away, Right? And the faster it goes. And even if you don't have children, you don't have a big family, it still happens. Those horrible things called taxes that we're all looking at around this time of year and and looking ahead to with glee. Right? Right. Um, So, I mean, there's just this pressure all the time that we feel about the weight that's on our wealth. All the time we feel that. And so then we, we come to church and we know, we know we're expected and have a responsibility as believers to contribute and participate in the act of, of giving of, again, that limited income that we all have. So there's that, that tension, right? You feel it. I feel it. We know we're supposed to. We know this is what is to mark the life of a believer. We're to have a a generous spirit. We're to have a giving spirit. We know we're supposed to do so joyfully. But a lot of the times, there's a disparity. Because we just don't feel it. We don't feel that joy. And um, the giving ends up becoming uh, something that we have to do, rather than something we're thankful for. That we get to do. What does the Word of God say about all that then? That's really the question we have to come down to. If we know we're supposed to give, we know we're supposed to give consistently, faithfully, 
We know we're supposed to give joyfully as we give faithfully. All of that is in the pages of Scripture. We're going to see it in just a minute. And yet, there's the lack of that type of response so often, and there's that tension there. What do we do about it? What does the Word of God say? Well, in 1 Corinthians 9, 7, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, um, the Word of God says this. Each one, this is each believer, each member of the body of Christ, each member of the church, each one must give, must give, as he has made up his mind. In other words, as he has thought about already, as he has planned to give, as he has given intentional consideration to. So often we approach giving, which we know we're supposed to do as believers, we approach it kind of like a tip. We have a, a tip mentality as opposed to a, a regular giving mentality. In other words, it's, it's kind of like, you know, when, when giving comes around, when that time comes around like it does every single Sunday, it's like, oh, let me, let me see what, what change I've got here. Let me see what loose bills I've got. Uh, I know I'm supposed to do this. Oh, I, I didn't think about this ahead of time. All right, let's see. I've got a, I've got a 20. Oh, whoa, that's way too much. <laughs> let me see. I've got, all right, a five will do. Yeah, I'll put a five in. Or it's just like whatever little, little change I have rattling around here. Let me put that in. And I, I'm not trying to be judgmental if that's you. I'm just calling it like it is. You know, sometimes that's how we approach it. Um, it it kind of sneaks up on us, which it shouldn't, but we've allowed it to. And so then it's kind of like when we finish at a restaurant, oh, right, I've got to leave a tip. Let's see, what do I have? But this says we need to actually think and prepare ahead of time for what we're going to give. And how often do we do that? It's a good question, right? I mean, when's the last time that we, ahead of coming to our gathering actually went to the Lord in prayer at the, either the start of the week before or the, or a few days before, or how about this, even the month, the start of the month, how much Lord am I to give each week in this month or backing up even farther as the new year just happened. Okay, Lord, how would you direct me? How would you desire me to give more to you this year? When's the last time we did that? But if we really view our giving as worship and as a sacrifice of praise, as first fruits offering, if we're really going to have that mentality and that mindset, which we should, all of that is going to require preparation, consideration, and intentional thought, not just random scattered giving here and there. And really that applies to, to any aspect of worship. When is the last time that we collectively and individually, ahead of our gathering on Sunday, when we know we're going to be singing praise together, when we know we're going to be hearing some, some message from God's Word in some aspect of His Word, and we're going to be giving together 
when's the last time the head of that, we stopped, we quieted our hearts and our minds, and we prayed specifically about every element of the service that we're going to take part in on Sunday? When's the last time we prepared our hearts for what we will say from our lips in song? Do I really have the heart and the mindset that will fit with any song of expression of worship that I'm going to sing on Sunday? Lord, give me that heart ahead of that. I'm going to be singing praise to you, God, on Sunday, like I do every Sunday. Would you please prepare my heart this Wednesday for what I'll do on Sunday? Let me live a life for you, God, from here to Sunday, so that when I get to Sunday morning and I sing a song of praise, it's an honest reflection and an honest declaration of what is already true in my life. Just like Pastor Matthew really expressed last week, I'm not trying to re-preach his sermon, it just it all goes together. And the same with giving. Lord, I'm, I'm going to be giving of the resources you have so amazingly blessed me with. I'm going to be giving with my other fellow believers in Christ, my brothers and sisters, we're going to do this together on Sunday. Would you please be giving me now a heart of joy, a heart of eagerness, a heart of willingness, a heart of praise, so that when I get ready to to give in that offering plate, or when I get ready to go online and do that, that tithe, that it's done with just as much Joy and expression of praise as when I'm going to actually lift my voice to do it. See, all this, all this comes down to thinking about it ahead of time. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly, like the picture we saw. Like, oh, I don't want to have to do this again, but I know I'm supposed to. Oh, I've already given to the government, and I've given to my kid's school, and I've given to the mechanic who has my car. I've given to the doctor for that, that seventh doctor's bill. I've, I've given, I've given, I've given in here. Now I have to give more? Not reluctantly or under compulsion. I have to, so therefore I will. I know I'm supposed to. I'm, I'm a bad Christian if I don't, so here I go again. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. Why? For God loves, treasures, values a, you tell me, what? A cheerful a joy-filled giver. Hmm. rut Because let's just be honest, church, and, and I'm being honest with you, many times that is not true of us. I mean, it's just the reality. And yet, that's, that's what we're called to. It's what we're commanded to. It's what we're called to exhibit and, and live out and apply. Not just on Sunday. That This should actually be a constant mindset and a constant heartbeat of every believer that, that Sunday and the act of giving together corporately is just a culmination of. This is, this is what we're called to. This is what it means to truly treasure God 
through our giving and to treasure our giving to him as, as he wants us to and as he treasures our giving. That's what uh, is our responsibility. And so often we're, we're kind of like a, a little girl that, uh, or a little boy that gets maybe $2 from their parent, their, their dad or their mom, and they're told they can maybe get something from the toy store, the Dollar Tree is what that would be, right, with a dollar or two, or maybe get something from a candy store, and they're excited about it, and they, you know, they have these $2, and, and before they go, the, the parent says to them, okay, you have, you have these $2, but one of them I want you to save and give to the Lord tomorrow at church. And they shake their head, okay, yep, I will. And so they go off, and they're walking, and they trip. And the wind takes one of the dollars away. So they only have one dollar left. And they know one is for candy or a little toy, and one is supposed to be for God tomorrow at church. And they, they hold up the one dollar, they look at it, they think, they look up to the sky, and they say, well, Lord, sorry about your dollar. And they go on. Right? That's often how we approach giving. It's often how we approach it. But that's not treasuring God. That's not treasuring giving to God. And even if we were to, to give that other dollar, that kid did that, they, they certainly wouldn't be joyful about it, right? They might do it out of guilt or out of um, being told by their mom or dad, well, I'm sorry, but you still have to give it. And they're going to give, but I doubt it's going to be joyful. And would God really treasure that in that moment? Hmm. According to this passage, no, <laughs> no. So what then does it actually look like for it to be this kind of a giver? What does that actually look like in life, in someone who gives that way? Thankfully, the Word of God gives us a, a portrait of a cheerful giver. A portrait of a cheerful giver for us to look at and, and model our lives after. And this short little passage that we're going to look at, Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, this brief passage, it teaches us so much. And this anonymous woman in this passage shows us so much about what it actually looks like to be a cheerful giver. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. The portrait of a cheerful giver. The Word of God says this, And he, Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. God watches what we give. God watches what we give. We see it right here. God the Son sitting down, people watching, but more than that, he's watching people give. Many rich people, many rich people, put in large sums. And if we stopped right there, we might think, oh, you know what, that's, that's good. We've got a lot of rich people giving large sums, all right. The treasury's full, there's a lot that can be done with that. Great. 
But it goes on. Verse 42. And, quite the contrast here, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny. Quite the difference there. Many rich people putting in large sums and then one poor widow coming and just putting in two little copper coins. Clank, clank. And again, just seeing it at at face value, we would think, well, that's not going to amount to very much. There's not a whole lot that can be done there. Man, it's a good thing those rich people gave all that money or else the treasury would be empty and man, the temple couldn't really do much with that, could they? Look what Jesus does. Verse 43. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, look look at this woman. Look at what just happened. Did you see all all these rich people giving some after some after some? And they would say, yeah, I saw some of those people doing that, yeah. What's your point, Jesus? Well, did you, did you happen to see this woman over here? She just left. There she is. This woman was, was just this, this poor widow. Now, how did he know that without using his supernatural ability? I don't know. Maybe it was someone he recognized. Maybe this was an example of his omniscience. You know, knowing everything. Being how he's God. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But he, he recognized that this woman, who we don't know the name of, was a poor widow. He says, this, this poor widow over here, she just gave these, these little two things, little two copper coins. But I want you to know something about her. Here's what he says. Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. That's quite a statement. Because you have many rich people. And they're putting in all these sums of money. And I kind of picture it. I don't know if it's fair. But I kind of picture it as like making a show of that. You know. Uh, kind of like what he addresses uh, in, in the Gospels elsewhere. Uh, when he says when you give don't make a show of it like the hypocrites do. I just kind of see that connection. And maybe that's not accurate. But that's what it does in my mind. You know. I, I see him kind of just. Ah, wow, this is, uh, this is heavy. Glad I don't have to carry this around anymore. Clank, right? I don't know. That's how I picture it. He says, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. In other words, more than all of that combined. More than all of it. Why? How could he say such a thing? The math doesn't really add up there. Here's the reason. For they all contributed out of their abundance. Literally, out of their excess. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All she had to live on. This is staggering generosity. Because what we don't know about this woman in the way of her name or her, her past or her story, we do know enough to know how significant this was. First of all, she's poor. She doesn't have means. 
We see that even by the offering that is given. Secondly, she's without a husband. She's a widow, which means she does not have a source of provision because in that culture, your husband did it all. In that culture, more than than we can understand today, the wife was dependent on her husband for everything. And so she doesn't have not just a a husband to care for, not just the, the absence of that relationship, but the absence of the provision, the physical, material provision day in and day out that others would have. But none of that stopped her from giving to God. And not just from giving. I mean, we wouldn't fault this lady, right, for just giving one copper coin as opposed to both. If this is truly all she had to live on, which Jesus says it is, we would understand, right? If she just put one in and kept the other for what little bit she could get for it, for her needs. I mean, we wouldn't berate her for that. Jesus wouldn't even have berated her for that. But she didn't stop with just one. She has two coins left to her name. And she puts them both in. Why? Because this woman, this poor and yet rich, godly woman, this physically poor but spiritually rich woman, valued her God more than her gold or her lack of it. She did not let her means dictate her worship. She refused to do that. She said, I value God, I honor God far more than any physical resource that I might have. I trust Him more than my fear of not having enough. I trust Him to provide for me what I need. So much so that I can, with all joy and with all confidence, I can give even to the last, knowing that God has my back. Knowing that He will provide for me. And even if He didn't, He's worth it. He's worth my giving all to because of all he has given me. That had to be her heart. I know it's not spelled out that way. It's not written that way. But that has to be the mindset of this precious woman or else she would not have given that. This woman is truly a cheerful giver. And she shows us that when we give to God financially... When we give to God financially, the heart always matters more than the amount. When we give to God financially, the heart always matters more than the amount. On either side of the coin, excuse the pun, you'll get it in a minute. In other words, whether we have a little that we're able to give, or we have a lot, like all those rich people that came and gave a large sum. On either side of that, there's nothing wrong with having a lot of physical resources. Nothing wrong with that in itself. 
And there's nothing wrong with with being able to, to give a lot. I mean, that's a good thing. But the question in that is, what's behind it? Where's your heart in that? What is your heart like in giving? Are you giving so that people will be impressed by how much you're giving? Are you giving thinking that because you're giving a lot, God is more pleased with your gift than the one next to you who can't give as much as you? Or are you giving from a heart that says, God, you have given me so much. First of all, you've given me salvation. And that would be enough forever, and it will be. But beyond that, you've given me all these physical blessings. How could I not give greatly to you in response? And if your heart is in that, then great. And the same on the other side. If you don't have much to give... But because you don't have much, you're, you're limiting what you give. That says you don't really trust God to take care of your needs. If you're only going to give when you have a certain amount, when your resources reach a certain point, then you'll give. If that's your mindset, if that's your heart, then God's not going to treasure it. And we see that on display here with this, with this woman Because a cheerful giver wants to honor God by giving to him of what they have. Their love for God is what motivates their giving to God. That's what a cheerful giver does. And a cheerful giver realizes and they recognize and they believe that they are made complete by God, not by any earthly treasure. And that frees them up then to give with joy and to give freely. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. And when we give from our finances to God, not only does the heart matter more than the amount, but we need to understand we're we're saying to him and to ourselves that we're going to treasure and we're going to trust him not in our flimsy finances. That's what we're saying to ourselves when we give. And when we give cheerfully. We're saying, I I do trust you, God. I I trust you to to provide for every need the way you always have. And and therefore, even though I don't have much, I can freely give this to you. And I I do so in joy. Because I'm not trusting on, on flimsy finances. Or if you have a lot, you're able to give freely without fear of dropping in level of your income. And you're, you're giving without fear of damaging your portfolio because your trust isn't in that anyway. Your trust is in Him. And your treasure is not in your treasure. Your treasure is in God if you are a cheerful giver. So on either side, wealth, excess, Poverty and lack, either side, if you're a cheerful giver, you give with joy and with, with freedom and with eagerness, all because of where your heart is already. See, that's why Matthew 6.21, our theme verse says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your treasure leads your heart and it rules it. If your heart is already treasuring God, then you have no problem parting with your earthly treasure. What would it look like if we all had that mindset and that heart? Wow. What would it look like if that were true of us? 
If that defined the way you operated in life. If you were this kind of a giver. If I was this kind of a giver consistently. Man, what would that look like in our lives? How much joy would we feel and experience? How much more freeing would giving be for us? What would it look like if in our homes, moms and dads, we instructed and trained our children in this way? If we brought them up with this kind of mindset and understanding about what it really means to give to God. I am so thankful that I had parents that from an early age taught me about percentage giving and first fruits giving. But they didn't, they didn't teach me those things from a, from a perspective of guilt. Or, or weight over my head. You know, like, you, you have to do this. You have to, have to, have to, have to do this. No question. This is what you do because you're a Christian. They went farther than that. They explained why. Because God is greater than anything else. Because God deserves more honor and more praise than anyone or anything else. Because God is more trustworthy than anyone or anything else. That's why we give. And because He gave His first and best to us in His Son, we give our first and best to Him. And then we trust Him for all the rest. And our giving reflects His giving to us. I was taught that from a very early age. And I was taught as I started getting an allowance or as I did odd jobs. to The very first thing I did was take a percentage right off the top, not from the bottom. And I consecrated that to God ahead of the offering being passed. And I was, that was instilled in me, and thank God that it was. And, and that just carried through with me as I started working, making a paycheck. And before I bemoaned what Uncle Sam you know, took away, I knew before Uncle Sam got his, God would get his. And, and that's, that's very important to me. And I would encourage you to think about things in that light. And as we've had children now, we, we try to do the same thing with them. We're not perfect on that. We drop the ball sometimes, but we, we try to instill that. What would that look like, parents, if, if you did that with your children from a very early age on and on and to the point where then they started on their own, not because you told them to, but because they understand the value as well and it's important to them and they take ownership on their own and start to do the same and then they do the same with their children. Wow, how, how beautiful would that be, right? And unfortunately what we have is the opposite. We have an entire generation of people in their, their 20, early 20s, the 20-somethings, that honestly have no concept of what it means to give to God. Certainly not in the right way. They have no concept of treasuring God with their treasure. Because it's, it's not been instructed to them, and it's not been modeled for them by mom and dad. What would that look like Church, if we as a church had this mindset toward giving and approach to giving, not this is just what we do, this is our ritual every week, but rather we are giving to the God who gave everything to us. 
We're giving as a reflection of, of Him giving to us, and we're treasuring Him so much that, that we're, we're giving freely and with joy. And we're not giving in a way that we're, we're begrudging what we're doing, or we're holding on tightly, and just what slips through our closed fist, that's what God gets. No, we're giving with open hands, freely. Man, what would that look like throughout our church? If we were a church that gave in a way that said, we treasure God and therefore we give. And part of that is going to have to be that we understand, and please hear me on this, listen to me on this. When you give at church collectively, you do not give to the church. You give to God through the church. Very important to understand the difference there. If you have a mindset that you're giving to the church, well, then you're not really going to be able to fully let go of the control of that, or you're going to be able to to tempt yourself in having more control than you should, and you're going to be able to justify when you don't give. If you're giving to an institution rather than through the institution to God, you're going to be able to really justify what you do or don't do with giving. If you don't like what's being done at the church, well, then don't, don't, just don't give. If you don't like what the pastor said, show them by not giving. If you want something done your way, well, do it through your checkbook. See, if you give to the church and that's the way you approach it, then that's what you're able to do. But if you say, no, I'm not giving to the church, I'm not giving to the pastor, I'm not giving to anything here, I'm, I'm letting this be my conduit that I'm giving to God for the furtherance of His kingdom, for the impact on other people through what I give here. There's where your joy comes from in giving. There's where the freedom comes from. What would it be like? What would it look like if we did that consistently here at the church? Wow. And what God could and would do through us if we approached it that way. The choice is ours. It's up to us. It's up to us to think about these things, to consider and to determine what God would have us do. We've seen in his word what it looks like, both in concept, as we looked at 2 Corinthians 9-7, and what it looks like lived out in this amazing woman, this poor widow woman that I cannot wait to see in heaven and thank her for her example and what she teaches us with her heart. Now the question is, what will we do about it? What will we do with this? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the reminder in your word of, of what it means to be a cheerful giver, that we are called to be that. We're not called to give grudgingly or with resistance, with reluctance. And we're, we're not also to, to give just because we're, we're supposed to. We're not to, to give under compulsion but to give freely with joy. And that has to be something we think about ahead of time. It has to be something we give deliberate thought to. May that be true of us, God. Please work in us in that way. Work in our hearts and our minds in that way. And and help us, Father, all of us, to resemble this, this precious woman in Mark chapter 12 that we, we saw the picture of Thank you for providing her 
in your word, in her portrait. Thank you that we see that you do watch what we give and that the the attitude of our heart matters far more to you than any amount. Father, help us to be people that place a high, high, supreme value on you. Help us to be people that treasure you more than any earthly treasure. And to be people that trust you with provision for earthly treasure so that we have no problem giving freely and greatly of our treasure. Knowing that the means that you've given us to do that through the local church, that it's not to the local church we give, but rather that's the the instrument you've given us to give to you and to your work and to the furtherance of your kingdom. Help us to have all of these mindsets, these perspectives. Let this be what defines and rules our heart, I pray. Make this true of us by your Spirit's work and by our yielding to his work. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.